Hey, all you crazy sci-fi fans. Time for your daily dose of insanity over here at the Sci-Fi Shenanigans Podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions. A place where the sky's the limit, space is a place, and nerds run the world. And without further ado... All right, welcome back to another episode of the Sci-Fi Shenanigans Podcast. Today, for my uh, my lovely co-host, we have the one, the only, Saska, who uh, was passed out on an overdose of chocolate, but we were able to revive her, so rest easy. She is alive and healthy and kicking, well, as much as you can in a, uh, in a chocolate coma. Uh, and then, as our special guest today, we have none other than author Amy A.K. Duboff. Is that how you say your last name? I never get that right. Yes, no, that that is correct. And man, now I wish I was in a chocolate coma. <laughs> it's one of the best places to be during a pandemic. That's exactly what I was thinking. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. The ladies are agreeing. Yeah, What's next, world domination? <laughs> yep. Uh-oh. I don't well, know. Maybe, maybe you two I'd will make a nice kingdom and all of it there. I don't know. Are you going to do the dishes? I, I do dishes. What's that supposed to mean? Okay, then fine. You, you're allowed to stay in the new kingdom. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's introduce Amy to our audience. So she is a Nebula Award finalist and Amazon bestselling author. And she has loved science fiction in all forms, including books, movies, shows, and games. If it involves outer space, even better. As a full-time author, she can frequently be found traveling the world while writing character-driven science fiction, science fantasy, and comedic science fiction. When she's not writing, she enjoys wine-tasting, binge-watching TV series. As long as you're not binge-watching or binge-drinking the wine, I think you're okay. Uh, And then playing epic strategy board games. So what board games are we talking Ooh, well, I mean, if you're talking the really big epic sort, then Twilight Imperium. But I pretty much enjoy any kind of tabletop gaming. Uh, actually, this last weekend, we just did a Wheel of Time role-playing game that's based on the uh, D&D. Can you move to Georgia and be my bestie? <laughs> I actually, I, I go to Jordan Con every year. Unfortunately, this year, not. But uh, but it, typically in April, you can find me in Atlanta. So you should come hang yeah, out. I'm, I'm friends with Jennifer. So oh, I will... awesome. Yeah, Jen is fantastic. So, yes, she was so mm-hmm. bummed about Jordan Con, but. Oh, me too. So, so what exactly is Jordan Con? Am I going to be afraid I asked? No. It is a Wheel of Time convention. Winner's ready. It All is, right, so uh, Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. Okay, yes. Jordan Con, that makes sense. Yes, and... Uh, Very creatively named. Also is involved in it because he finished writing the series. So he comes every third year now, I believe. So a lot of the other Sanderson stuff has been incorporated into the programming as well for the years he attends. I- I've been to Jordan Con once many moons ago. It's probably so. much bigger now. I think there were about a thousand attendees last time. But yeah, it's, super it's fun. much bigger than the last time I went, which was maybe five years ago. It is the convention my husband and I look forward to every year. Great Aww, friend. That's... So when you said uh, board games, are you talking actual like Monopoly, like you open the board or, or are you including yeah. playing a tabletop? I mean, so I, yeah, so, so certainly, um, you know, any anything that's um, an adaptation of a sci-fi tv series is great so like the firefly game or the battlestar galactica game uh twilight imperium is a big board game sort though it's not technically a board it's more like you have tiles that you arrange into a board it's very that's complicated that's it's very complicated it's like an eight-hour game that you're sitting down and committing to 
but then I also like the deck building games like Dominion, um, Ascension, those, those sorts. You should try playing Revolution by Steve Jackson Games. That one is so much fun. Ooh, I haven't heard of that one. I will look that up. It, the game mechanics are really different because they start all of the, yeah, you, all the turns are simultaneous. Oh. So you cover your card, you, you write down what you're going to do, and then you go. Oh, I like that. Yes, it is a lot of fun. And it's very annoying when you play with somebody who thinks like you do, because you're, if somebody has the same bid on the net to do an action, you cancel each other out if, oh, wow. if, you, if it's the same amount. That's so there's no ties. Ties equal null. Oh, that's cool. So I'm, I'm looking at Twilight Imperium 4th Edition cover, and I have to say it looks pretty cool. It yeah. looks like almost like a Axis and Allies in space. That's uh, exactly uh, what it is. Yep. Okay. I, I could I could get behind that. That looks pretty cool. So the uh, next question, or we'll forever descend into talking about games, and this is not a gaming <laughs> podcast. So, <laughs> Saska, you can save us from ourselves, or we can change the title from sci-fi shenanigans to, I don't know. I'd say we can, get, we can keep the same name, but... As for that, we're going to go on to religion beyond board games. What is your religion of Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? This is always a really difficult one for me because I love all of them so much. I, I have to... I, yeah. By, or polygamists by, with uh, something. Save well, me from or, it. No, I guess it would be po- polytheistic. Polytheistic. You'd think as a pagan, I'd know that term, but it totally spaced out on it. Um, so, but but I probably have to give the slight edge to Star Wars just because it's this more space fantasy kind of thing, and I really love the kind of magic and space whole thing with the the Jedi and the the powers and all that. It's just super cool. The Jedi are the best part of Star Wars, to be honest. Yeah. But if it came down to the kind of future that I, if I was living in it, I'd probably go for like the next generation era Star Trek because it seems like you're fairly unlikely to just die in a random encounter. Or just randomly suffer. Yeah, like good, good medicine, fairly stable politics. I mean, of course, there are issues, but on the whole, you know, it's just kind of like the the enlightened human era. So, so that that's all well and good. But uh, if I was going to go the space piracy route, Firefly all the way. See, but in Firefly, you might randomly get struck by a space harpoon from a Reaper. So yeah, I mean, the whole like getting eaten thing is not cool. So that that's, <laughs> that's a major downside of that one. Yeah, understatement of the year. (laughs) Saska? Yes. Oh, sorry. Understatement of the year. Yes, that's still my cue. What is it that you love about science fiction as a genre? I think it's really the way that you can explore so many things. So sci-fi for me has always been about that what if question and taking something about either the human experience or technology or or just some aspect of life and playing that out into the future or some alternate reality and just learning to understand your own nature better but also having this fun story that goes along with it and i think almost more than any other genre science fiction lets you have that exploration of looking at life through 
very different perspectives than you would have otherwise. That's awesome. So what is your first memory of the genre, watching, playing games, reading? I think it would probably the very, very earliest would be when I was quite young and my parents would be watching Next Generation on TV, but I wasn't really allowed to watch it because we're talking like you know five years old. So I, and not that it's super violent or anything, but just I wouldn't understand anything that's going on. Uh, but in my terms, parents had me watching it anyways. Yeah, I mean maybe I did, and I I just don't really remember it. But I have some vague memories of of napping on on TV. Um, but in terms of reading sci-fi probably the first would have been the wrinkle in time series and uh and that was this probably my first literary foray into it that is a really good young reader sci-fi series it really is and it, and it holds up even reading it as an adult which is great i i love any of which i books. think like, takes some talent it does it does for sure so and how did this love and your experiences transition into writing novels in this? I got an interest in writing from a young age. I think it was probably around fourth grade that I got a little bit more serious about it. And I started working on this quote novel project based on some prompt that we did in class. And it was absolutely terrible and just a ripoff of whatever the last book I read was. It was some kind of portal fantasy thing. Uh, that went nowhere. Um, but a couple years after that, I started working on what's now my catacomb universe and kind of fleshing that out. Um, so it's uh, it's just it, it's been a, a part of my life since I was. And so, and you always knew you wanted to write sci-fi, though. Yeah, I, I think everything started out a little bit more fantasy oriented because I did start reading fantasy a lot more than than science fiction initially aside from like wrinkle in time but that's still sort of on the quasi fantasy yeah but i think fantasy is more like, um it's more prevalent in that age group i think it's easier to write for that age oh for sure yeah yeah so like the darkest rising sequence so, was a uh, another early one that i read a lot uh, and absolutely loved which is sort of like a kid's version of uh the wheel of time series in a lot of ways, it, it has it has some similar elements there. I think, awesome. But more, but set more in the modern time, obviously. But but it has a lot of the the similar themes of the you know kind of the, the dark one and the the normals that are going in and fighting, but with a greater destiny. Awesome. So, what would be the single largest influence on your writing? Is there another author you always enjoyed or and try to emulate? Is an experience you had on it? As a child, I think reading Dune was probably the real pivotal moment for me of just seeing what really big scope sci-fi could do and that it wasn't just about going out and exploring, but it could have this big political component to it, too. And I think that that's one of the things that I've always carried forward of kind of having the the, the multi-leveled narrative of you have kind of the bad guys perspective and and you're good guys and there's this big other plot and intrigue stuff going on and setting that in a very large scope universe where it's not just things happening on one planet but looking at at things spread across a galaxy and and what kind of implications that has 
Mm. So transitioning away from the writing side and into the fan side, because you definitely have a some fan in you. Have you gotten any cool fan art or had a fan cosplay one of your characters yet? I keep wanting to do cosplay stuff, but we haven't. I, I keep getting little pieces of things that we could turn into a TSS agent outfit, but it's yet to all come together. Oh, so you but can't cosplay one of your own characters. That would someone be awesome. Take one. Oh, yeah. No, I, I 100% want to do that in the very near future. It's just very difficult to find the right materials that aren't going to cost a fortune to put together something. And I don't sew competently. I don't have a sewing machine, at least, so I can do some hand stitching and that's about it. So that there are some limiting factors. But um, but I have had someone approach me and uh, taken the character of Chris Seitz to use in some fanfic that he had on Wattpad and, and got my permission to include him. So that was pretty cool to have have someone That's want really to awesome. take one yeah, of my characters. And we also have some art that my co-author, Shalina Valmond, or T.S. Valmond, she has a friend who's an artist. And one of, in the second book in her her uh, Nerdy Chronicle series, uh, one of the characters in there is drawing a comic book. And her friend went and then did this, quote, lost page from this comic book and so we have have that that is available for readers to download as a mailing list sign up incentive so that's pretty awesome wow that's kind of cool awesome and so uh, we're going to take so, a second real quick dear listeners that is cool and apologize and apologize if, apologize if we're talking over each other a little bit there is some slight lag issues but we're trying to power through it because uh, fun fact, but Amy actually is currently on the moon right now. She's on the dark side of the moon. Wi-Fi is a little bit spotty. She really needs to move her lunar rover to the light side. So, you know, step into the light, Caroline, and everything. But we're going we're gonna to power through, and hopefully this is a, uh outstanding episode you listen to a dozen times because it's so awesome. So, now with that said, I'm going to list out the various series that Amy has written. So we have the Dark Stars trilogy, which includes, includes three books in an omnibus edition. We have the Mindspace series, which is four books in an omnibus edition. The Catacol series, which is five books, a prequel novella, and the series box set titled Fractured Empire. We have the Shadow Space series, which includes three uh, books. We have the Ver- Verity Chronicle series, which includes three books. Aeon 14 Serenity series, which currently has two books out. Are you done with that series, Amy? Yeah, that's just a duology. Okay. We have the Troubled Space series, which includes three novellas, which is comedic sci-fi, correct? Yes. All right. So we have, she has several anthologies, including Explorations, Colony, Explorations, Anthology, Volume 4. We have the Pew Pew, Volume 5, A Fist Full of Pews Anthology, which is currently um, unpublished, so it's only available in paperback. But if you are curious, you can't you can still get a copy. Uh, We have Ignite the Stars, an anthology, Aeon 14, Tales of the Orion War, Book 2. We have At the Helm, Volume 4, a sci-fi bridge anthology. Uh, We have Hope is Not a Strategy, a Four Horsemen anthology. Beyond the Stars, Rocking Space, a space opera anthology. Galaxia anthology. Well, I'll say that one three times fast. Savage Stars, mm-hmm. Seven Novels of Space, Opera, Aliens, AI, and Post-Apocalyptic Adventure. Is that an actual anthology or just a bunch of bundled books? That is a bunch of bundled books. So that one has uh, the first book in the Dark Stars trilogy in it. Okay. And then we have The Great Beyond, an anthology of classic space opera adventure tales. Yes, I'm so very those... excited for that one. That's a brand new release coming up here. 
Well, me too. So it's those all sound fascinating, but why don't we talk about the great beyond the anthology, which we're all excited by. So let me read you the blurb from the Space Opera Collection, which is coincidentally the episode sponsor. So this is my <clears throat> attempt at a movie trailer voice, uh, so don't judge too hard. <laughs> Journey to world near and afar. The Great Beyond Anthology is a compilation of timeless space opera adventures from humanity's first footsteps into space to galaxies far away to alternative versions of you, Earth. These fun and hopeful tales will transport you far from our present reality. Featuring best-selling authors as well as fresh new stories, begin your journey into the great beyond. Yeah, his job's not in jeopardy for me yet. But once you're done laughing, dear listener, we'll move on. And we're going to ask you, Amy, what your story is titled. My story is titled Integration. Short and sweet. So it's, I guess it's a lot of syllables for a one-word title. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, so uh, we want this to be a quick episode. So what's the basic synopsis of your short story? So this story is set in my broader Catacle universe. It's, it's set after the original series and before the forthcoming sequel series, where uh, the character of Jason Seitanen is sent out on a mission to go interface with the Linnadans, which are a group within the Terran Empire that is much more tech-focused than everyone else. So the typical Terran mindset is that uh, you just stay in your normal organic form, whereas the Linnadans are sort of the cyborg group within the larger empire. And they have some tech that they have come across from an ancient archive that they've discovered. And the Linnadans are really the only group that is equipped to figure out how to do an interface with this technology. So so Jason, as a TSS agent, is sent to go negotiate with them, uh, but finds himself in a bit of an awkward situation. So would you consider these transhumanists or since they're cyborg culture? Yes, I think I think you could classify them that way. All right. Well, before I ramble too much, I'm going to let Saskia ask her questions. So can you tell us a bit about the main character? What makes them unique? So Jason is the son of Will, who's the main character from the original series. And like his father, is extremely telekinetically gifted and telepathic, uh, but is a little bit more relaxed. So... The, the Terran Empire exists concurrent to modern-day Earth. So at this point, it would be about uh, the year 2049 or so. Or no, I'm sorry, uh, 20, 2054, um, that he's going out on this mission to to talk with them. And uh, so you know, whatever Earth is there. But he, he was uh, born in TSS headquarters and then raised on Earth. So he's coming at it from this perspective of someone who wasn't in the Terran Empire and born into a royal family, just had a regular childhood on Earth for the first 16 years of his life. Uh, So that's one of the reasons he selected to go on this mission, because he is is able to have a more open mind about embracing other cultures than someone who had been living in one very specific perspective their whole life. That's cool. So... you've already said that this is part of your larger universe but can it stand alone like if our listener hasn't read it any of the your other amazing books how would they would they be able would this be very approachable for them 
I, I wrote it in a way that I hope it is. Uh, you certainly would be able to get some of the, the nuanced elements of it if you've read the larger universe, but I think it's, it stands alone as a story. I, I tried to provide enough context in there that that reader can come in uh, from a completely outside perspective with no prior knowledge and be able to understand and enjoy it. Awesome. So what did you use for the premise of coming up with it? A Ouija board? Uh, hey, you know, maybe I actually meant to do this story too. Honestly, I don't even remember how I came up with this particular story. It was just one that kind of came to me one day. I, I certainly wanted so it's to... it's not gas station sushi, like JR said. No. <laughs> I told him you had better taste than gas station sushi. Oh, yes. Fine, fine dining all the way. No, but some good home cooking is great, too. Um no, this, I, I don't, I, I honestly cannot tell you exactly how, how this one came to be. I have a lot of, um, the, the Catacool universe as a whole came to me over many years, and I approached writing the original series more as following the set of characters over three generations and, and their lives rather than really structuring them like books. So if you read the series, all of the books are a little bit different than the the normal cadence that you would see throughout a novel. They're, they're divided up in the smaller parts and are just really focusing on these key turning points in the characters' lives. So this is kind of one of those where he's going out uh, and getting a higher level of responsibility and really a critical mission that very few people would be trusted to do. So it's, it's sort of a, a proving moment for him. So, so I just, I wanted to, to write a story that would allow him to begin coming into his own more as a leader. All right, Sasko, the next question is yours. Given that this story is a space opera science fiction adventure, is the rest of the universe that it fits into one as well? Yes, it's I, most of the stories could be considered the, the classic, space opera ranging to space adventure tales. There are going to be some co-authored books coming out that are going to be a little bit more on the military sci-fi side or space thriller side, but with the general colloquial definition of space opera, everything would fit in there. It's all there are going to be spaceships and pew-pewing stuff going on at some point in the story. Oh, you're speaking my language. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting all excited. So do you think that, uh, and this is an on-the-fly question for you, but do you think there's a lot of crossover between the space opera and military sci-fi audiences? I think there's a fair amount. I, I think there are purists on either side of, of that divide, but it's sort of like the Venn diagram thing, and I, I think that the overlap zone is, is fairly large between the two. I, I certainly think that there are some readers that want their pure military sci-fi and have it be very technically accurate. But anyone who enjoys the more military sci-fi that's uh, very character-driven and about the larger tale and some political intrigue in there would enjoy anything in the Catholic universe. Okay, so we spoke about the uh, main characters of this a bit, but we didn't talk about the main bad guy. So obviously, without any spoilers, is there a bad guy that the main characters have to confront, or is the universe itself sort of man versus nature type bad guy situation the lenadans are placed in an antagonist role in here but it's ultimately a story about the character overcoming their own internal barriers if if that is a reasonable answer 
I, I can't really I can't really talk about the bad guy in it without giving away spoilers. So I have to choose my words carefully. Well, then we will move on to the next question because spoilers are bad. So as I mentioned, the story is clearly on the space opera side of science fiction. So what is it about this subgenre that appeals to you? I have always been very attracted to the big sweeping tales, which is probably why I started out with a love of fantasy so much. So if you can take epic fantasy stuff and then just add some spaceships into the mix, perfect. So I I built this Catacle universe to be my my mind playground that I would go to just whenever I was hanging out. So it, it includes elements of all of my favorite things. So I have the telekinesis stuff that's sort of my my space magic and the the spaceships that can travel to other worlds very quickly and the classic good versus evil. So it's it's just a genre that really lends itself to all of those things that I love so much. Okay, so what are some of your favorite tropes in space opera then, and why, since you love the genre so much? I have always loved the the big hero's journey thing of kind of awakening in the powers and then growing into their their own. Um, I certainly love the not scientifically accurate but super fun spaceship battles of ships broadsiding each other and and that kind of thing. Um, and I I love the advanced technology stuff, too. Okay. Everybody loves advanced technology. And I will say your pick of the track, they did have the famous holodeck, which everybody knows would be something oh, yeah. to play with. I'm Dude, can you at- imagine that during a quarantine? Huh. Game-changing. <laughs> yes. And, of course, everything that it was used for would be totally family-friendly. Y- yes. 100%. Definitely. <laughs> I think it would help keep families together. Mm-hmm. See? All right. Next question is yours, Saskia, before okay. I ramble about holodecks. So this is a crazy, unprepared, it's a grenade question because you weren't prepared for it. What are you currently reading in the wide world of the science fiction genre? The most recent book that I have read is one of my co-authored books in the Catacle universe, uh, the second book in the Shadowed Space series with Lucinda Pebre. And that was a good read. So, of course, I'm editing it while I'm reading it, but it's still always very fun to get to experience a story for the first time. So most of the reading that I've been doing has been with the co-authored stuff. But Okay, I, crazy, crazy question, because you're reading it while editing it. Do you ever have to go back and go, shnikes, I need to edit while I'm doing this? That does happen sometimes, yeah. What about you, Seth? Just always you good. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying it's always good to get so immersed in the story that you forget to be doing your job while you're doing That's it. That's a good sign. I am reading Gunpowder and Embers by Casey Azell, Chris Smith, and John Ringo. Is that an anthology? I heard three authors, or is it literally three authors writing it? It's three authors writing it. <laughs> so it's definitely – it's a lot of fun um, having – you can see where – probably because I know the three authors fairly well, I can see where some of their influences have married and intertwined, but definitely affected like the dialogue of certain characters. Like one of them just sounds so like Ron Ringo and, uh, and the other one just sounds completely my friend Chris's sense of humor. So it's a lot of fun reading it. Outstanding. 
And since she was so rude and didn't ask me what I was reading, I'm going to volunteer it anyway. After my, <laughs> after my last feeling, she missed Mary Perry. So I just finished uh, Forget Nothing by uh, Michelle C. Myers, uh, which she wrote in Jason Onsbach and Nick Cole's uh, Galaxy's Edge universe, which was a story about uh, the, the first attempt of a female to become a legionnaire, which was really, really amazing. It's uh, an Audible original right now. So if you have Audible subscription, it's free for you. Uh, and yes. then in addition to that, I finished um, the All Souls trilogy, which I uh, listened to in audio with my wife, which is sort of um, paranormal, modern. I mean, it said it was romance, but that was almost secondary to the rest of it. So it was Rebecca a good Harkness. It was, but it was by Rebecca Harkness. There were parts in that one where it was, I mean, I'm a history nerd, so I like all that stuff, but it was like, okay, we get it. You're super smart. Back to the story, please. Um, but, <laughs> but while I enjoyed all the history tidbits, I'm sure some people are like, oh, please, come on. Just tell me about the vampires and the werewolves or whatever. You know? <laughs> so, all right. So before I say anything embarrassing, like, I don't know, I liked Twilight or something weird, which isn't true, by the way. Uh, why don't you ask the next question? I'm not going to shame you, JR. I'm just happy you're reading again. Now, fun question. <laughs> Which space opera universe from any franchise would you want to live through and why? Excluding your own. That would be kind of cheating. You know how it works. Um, I think I would probably go to the the Dune universe. The Spice must be. Really? That's yeah. gutsy. Yeah. I know I know it's introducing some some opportunity for really terrible things to happen to you, but I uh I, what can I say? I just I like the the feudal systems in space. I think it's it's an interesting other other way. You just want the spice. I, yeah, maybe maybe that's true. Those glowing blue eyes. Do the glowing, glowing blue, blue eyes. eyes. Yeah, yeah. Am it, I the only one who's who's noticed Chris Pines seems to put in those contacts that give him the glowing blue eyes, and I just want him to go play something on Dune. Yeah, it that'd be pretty perfect. All right. So what about you, Saskia? If you could uh, live in any sci-fi franchise, which would you pick? Tower in the Hive by Anne McCaffrey. How did I not know there would be dragons? No, no so, dragons involved. No dragons involved. You mean Anne McCaffrey wrote something that didn't have dragons in it? I'm shocked. Tower in the Hive is kids, cats, and telepaths. Okay. All right. So if I want to play it safe, I might say Star Trek because you've got a high likelihood of, of living through it. See, that's but, why I want Tower in the Hive, because they have running water and electricity. They don't have that on burn. Um, this is true, but if I was going to be... Everything's done by teleportation. So that if I was not going to... If I was going to be gluttonous, I would say um, Chris Kennedy's uh, Theogony Universe, because those nanites, like, they make you, like, lose weight really crazy. So you could eat whatever you wanted and never have a problem and just fuel your nanites. Uh, in fact, it'd probably make you healthier. So, like, eat that second piece of cheesecake. Um, or, I, I guess, if I was going to do that, maybe, uh, I guess, I know too much about the Galaxy's Edge because I write in it, so I can't say that one. But I'll say the Ember Wars, uh, Ember Wars Saga universe because they had some cool tech. I mean, you probably will die horribly, gruesomely, but if you if you manage to live, it was kind of cool. Yeah, I should probably clarify that if I was living in the Dune universe, I, I definitely want to be at some kind of royal level like not the the hand service it's the, it's the only way to do it if you're going to pick it 
Yeah, but I mean, like, if we're if we're talking fantasy here, I feel like I can just say yes. I want to have my own moon, and call it good. <laughs> and magic, space magic, so protect yeah, yourself. Exactly. <laughs> and All right. To make them go do the dirty work. Yes. See. And then you could live vicariously through them. Okay, I, I like where you're going with that. I'm tracking, tracking like a cruise missile. So uh, we we promised you, dear listeners, that these anthology episodes would be shorter. And so we are right at the half hour mark. So promise fulfilled. So as we bring this puppy to a close, Amy, can you tell listeners how they can find you? You can find me on Amazon under my A.K. Duboff pen name. Or if you would like to just get a full list of everything and get everything in one place, you can go to amyduboff.com. And you can find me on pretty much all social media platforms under at Amy Duboff. Okay. And you can find us on our website at www.sfshenanigans.com. Our Twitter at SFS underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot Sierra underscore show. You can email us at podcast at sfshenanigans.com. You can send the hate mail to Chris Winder at sfshenanigans.com. And our Facebook group is facebook.com backslash groups backslash SF shenanigans. Wow, that's a tongue twister. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Chris Winder and Seska Smalls, I'm J.R. Hanley, and this was the Sci-Fi Shenanigans Podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of space and all things that go boom. Boom.